Week one of the fast is done. So if you're here visiting with us and there's some people around you agitated or aggravated, just blame it on the fast, all right? We'll blame it on the fast. Um, but listen, hey, in all seriousness, we, we decided to go on a fast so that people would have a fresh encounter with God. So that people would, 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 would meet Jesus in a, in a, in a new way, a, a refreshed way, a new way. Just kind of, let's get near to Jesus, and so what we've done as a staff is we thought it would be important to have people speak, and you hear testimonies of people in our church who, who, have, who have testimonies of the, the issues that we preach on. And so one of the issues that, that we, we believe is very important uh, part of this fast, prayer and fasting, is faith. And so today there's a message on faith. And to start off the message, I want you to hear an uh, unbelievable, incredible testimony uh, by Grant and Joanna Cockrell. So welcome them as they come and, and give their testimony this morning. Thank you. Uh, well, good morning. As Jared said, I'm, I haven't met you yet. I'm Grant. This is Joanna Cockrell. We've been here for about two years. Um, but Scott had called us a couple weeks back and just told us that what Jared had said, they're going to be bringing people up just during this time of prayer and fasting. Uh, some people may be uh, praying for breakthroughs on certain things. Some people may be renewing some prayers for some things they'd given up on before. So we did. Uh, Julie came up last week and spoke about some ways that, that God is providing some healing with her. But then what about those people that God does not provide a healing for? So that's kind of the, the story that we've got. So um, we've got three boys and our youngest. His name's Camden. He'll be nine in March. He was born with a genetic disorder that uh, neither one of us had ever heard of. Uh, so since that time, for almost nine years now, we've been praying for healing. So I'm going to let Joanna kind of go into more of the diagnosis, some of the issues he has to deal with. She's the one that has to carry him to all the doctor's appointments. So she uh, sometimes experiences this in ways that I don't because I'm not there seeing the blood draw, seeing him cry on a continual basis. So I'll let her kind of get started and share how it impacts her faith, and then I'll kind of talk about how it impacted mine. Camden was diagnosed at seven months old when he began having brain-damaging seizures called infantile spasms. In order to stop them, we had to give him steroid injections every other day for three months. He has tumors on his brain, skin, heart, and kidneys. He has anxiety and autism. He sees six specialists and has an MRI of his brain and kidneys done every year. We apply a prescription cream to his face to shrink the tumors on his skin. He also has stage one chronic kidney disease and takes an immunosuppressant to shrink the tumors to on his kidneys. He has blood draws done every three months to check for medication toxicity. I've been asking God to heal Camden since his diagnosis and God's answer so far has been not right now. He has used Camden's illness to change me and grow my faith and to reveal areas in my life that needed to be healed. The powerlessness I felt the first year after his diagnosis, diagnosis triggered flashbacks of past trauma. I was sexually abused at the, between the ages of 9 and 14 by two different people, and I was date-raped when I was 19. I tried dealing with the flashbacks on my own, but I ended up going to a Christian counselor for three years. God used that time to lift the shame off me that I'd carried most of my life and to begin to heal me. Until about five years ago, I believed that there was something very wrong with me. The Lord showed me the truth about how he sees me and how he defines me. He showed me that Jesus understands what I feel and experience because he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief. It was my weaknesses he carried. It was my sorrows that weighed him down. God has used Camden's illness to show me that I can trust him in all areas of my life. 
I've learned to pray specifically to pray my worries and that sometimes healing isn't instant. Sometimes it's a process. I have faith that God will heal Camden one day. The Lord used Camden's illness to heal my wounds and my brokenness that I didn't realize were there. In John chapter 9, Jesus said the blind man he healed was born blind so that the works of God may be displayed in him. My life first is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then, uh, of course, I didn't have the background Joanna did. I didn't have kind of the emotional side of healing that, that was necessarily needed. But God did use some things in my life, I guess, going through there. Um, showed me some things that I needed, needed to learn. I'd always process things more intellectually, never felt things emotionally. Um, but being having son diagnosed with that, uh, having to give him the shots every day when he was an infant, watching him cry, having to hold your son down, pretty tough to deal with, even if you don't usually experience things emotionally. Um, so, but going through that time, I... Um, and coming from the background, growing up in church, I, w I went back to what I knew, the Word of God. I, I try to always approach things intellectually. What does the Word say about this? So for whatever reason, God led me back to the book of Job as I was going through that. Um, and then reading through that, for the first time, I really started noticing uh, the heart of Job crying out to God about how life seemed unfair, how God seems to um, re reward evil and, and punish the righteous. Um, and then when you read through the entire chapter toward the end, of course, Job is, is, God gives him a good vision of who he is. But just seeing, as Joanna said, she was able to learn to pray her worries. Seeing Job being able to cry out with his heart um, was something that really helped me. So I, I went through a time real tough of just sometimes I would just cry out to God emotionally, sometimes shouting, not necessarily angry at God, but just letting God know my heart, how it felt. Wishing that, uh, again, I think any father would, would, would wish that they would, you would be the one afflicted and not your son. I even asked for that many, many times that he would afflict me, take it away from him. Um, but then even going through that, seeing kind of God also gave me the realization when I came across the verse that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Before I became a parent, it used to just amaze me that, that Jesus went through that just the barbaric form of, of crucifixion. But then I realized after a become a father how much that must have impacted God God could have brought Jesus in any time during human history but instead of allowing him to be born now where there's lethal injection him died by humane way he brought him in the point of history he had the most barbaric form of public execution that's ever been invented um, I'd even read a Roman citizen couldn't even be um, crucified on the cross because it was so barbaric which is why Paul was beheaded um, but seeing, knowing that God had experienced that, God had gone through that, God had gone through the trouble and the pain and the grief that I was feeling was a tremendous help for me. And seeing Job was able to cry out and cry out his emotions to God. Even though, again, as Joanna said, the answer so far has been not yet, we continue to pray. Um, Paul got an answer that his thorn in his side would not be healed. We haven't got that answer yet that Camden won't, so we continue to pray and hope. Um, of course, we were in the first service, dear, dear referenced a verse that I was reading with my middle son last night um, with Keegan about Jesus getting in the boat. Um, Joanna and I have gotten the boat of Christ. We're not going to get out. As Peter said, you have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? Uh, it's not always going to be peaceful. It's not always going to be calm. You may not always get the answer that you want, but just knowing that Jesus is there, even in the midst of the storms, uh, and we may be in a storm for the rest of our life, but uh, he's good today. We know God's got tomorrow, and we're just going to continue to pray despite the answer not, not being there yet. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you, buddy. Man, what a, what a powerful testimony. You know, it's not often that we hear that end of the spectrum, right? That we pray and pray and pray, and you know what? God's not answering my prayer, but yet I believe. I still have faith in spite of not all my prayers or my biggest prayers being answered. Listen to me. As we start to talk about faith this morning, we've got to wrap our mind around the importance of prayer. Prayer is, I mean, uh, faith. Faith is so, 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 so important to God. Faith is absolutely essential to God. Listen to me this morning. I'm going I'm I'm to read just a few verses. Ephesians 2, 8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's grace you've been saved through faith. That's talking about our salvation. That's talking about our, our salvation is impossible without faith. Listen to Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's talking about making God happy. That's talking about making God smile. It's impossible to please God without faith. How about this one? For we live by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5-7. We live by faith, not by sight. Over and over Scripture, we see where faith is critical to God and that relationship that we have with Him. So here we go. I'm going to bounce the ball your way. How's your faith? How, how is your faith? I'm not talking about that moment where you put your faith in Christ and you made that decision to follow Christ. I'm not talking about that moment. I'm talking about living by faith day by day. If you go and look at that, that word in the original Greek where it says we live by faith, if you go and look at that statement, you go and look at that word, it's an idea that living as we are continuing to do, everything we do, we are doing by faith. So I just throw that question to you to start this morning to get you to understand I've got I got faith in Jesus. I made when I was nine years old. I put my faith in Christ, and I'm good ever since. That's not quite what He's called us to do. He said we walk by faith, meaning that it is something that we exercise and we do. We choose to do each and every day. This morning we're going to look at a story in Matthew chapter eight. Got your Bibles? Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter eight, and it's, a, it's and we're going to see a faith that pleases God. But before we get into that story, I want to I just put us all in the same... It's a, it's a word we use all the time. Faith, 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 faith. I mean, we, 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 we hear it all the time. We see it all the time. and we, we possibly use it a lot. But what does it mean? Like right now, if I said faith, write it down on your piece of paper. Like there'd be a million different answers. But let's just look at a few different, a few different responses. So we're all kind of in the same ballpark on the same page. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You know what? I don't understand it. I don't know it, but I believe. Billy Graham says this. He says, believing that something is true and then committing our lives to it. You know what? Don't get my mind wrapped around everything, but I'm all in. Uh, Webster says, faith is belief and trust in and loyalty to God. My personal Belief, a great definition of faith is this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make 
straight your path. I believe that's a beautiful definition of faith. What's faith? It's trusting in God. I don't, I don't know everything. I can't understand anything. But I trust God, and I'm going to follow him, and he's, he's, going, to, he's going to work it all out. He's going to take care of it. Hey, in Matthew chapter 28, we actually see two stories of faith. There's a, a, a very strong faith, and there's a weak faith. So what I want to look at, turn your Bibles, and if you've got your Bible open, look over in Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 5. We're going to read 5 through 13, and we're going to look at how we can live by faith. Again, I asked you, how's your faith? And you were like, you know, you know I, I've, I've had faith in God. I've had it since 9. But how, literally, how is your faith, day-by-day faith, living by faith? How are you doing when it comes to living by faith? Let's dive into the Word right here, Matthew 8, 5. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go heal him. Listen to this. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell one, go, and he goes. I tell one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. When's the last time you read where Jesus was astonished? When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go. It will be done just as you believe it would. And his servant was healed at that hour. Jesus said this man had more faith than anyone in all of Israel. He had more faith than anyone in all of Israel. This man had strong faith. And then he shows how he can live by faith. I think he, I think what he demonstrates, he models four things. That it takes for us to live by faith. A daily living by faith. Here's the first thing that I think we can see and learn from him is this. First thing is this. He trusted Christ. He trusted Christ. I know you heard that all the time. You've heard it 10 million times. But do we truly trust Christ? This man went and found Jesus because he knew Jesus could heal his servant. He truly believed that Jesus could and I think he believed he would, but he knew he could. He heard Jesus was in the area, and he knew that Jesus had the power to heal. He didn't think maybe or possibly. He trusted or believed without a doubt that Jesus could heal his servant. Verse 8 said this, just say at your word. Just say the word, Jesus. I know you got the power. Say the word, and it's going to happen. I believe. I truly trust in you, Jesus. Listen, if we're going to live by faith, We have to trust Christ. I'm not talking about lip service. I I think God can handle this and, you know, God God will take care of it. And then in our heads and our hearts, we we go on and we we, we really don't believe that. I love the book of Matthew when it comes to the subject of faith. All throughout the book of Matthew is faith this and faith that and faith this. And over and over and over again, you see people who live by faith and people who didn't. In Matthew chapter 9... We see three different stories, verse 2, verse 22, verse 29, where Jesus did miraculous work in the lives of these people. And you know the reason why he did a miraculous work in their life? Because of their faith. 
because they trusted in him. It says he saw their faith and they truly trusted him and he did awesome work. Listen to me, I'm afraid we say we trust God, but the question is, do we really trust God? Do we really trust God? There's no living by faith if we don't truly trust God. It's not going to happen. And what, what, did, what did God tell us? It's impossible to please God. So if we're not truly trusting in Him, we're not pleasing God with our lives. Let's look at the second thing. The second thing we see from the centurion about the faith is this. He went to seek Christ. He went to seek Christ. He didn't just say, well, I believe. You know, I believe that Jesus is coming there. I know that guy could heal my servant. I, I, I believe it. And maybe, he'll, maybe I'll run into him. Maybe I'll see him, you know, at the market. Or maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe hey, what if I send one of my, my soldiers? I, you know what? I, maybe I can see it. He didn't do that. He himself went and sought after Christ. He went and found Jesus. Listen to me. This guy was a big deal. He had all kind of soldiers under him. He was powerful. He had tons of people under his authority. But he wasn't too busy. He wasn't too important. He wasn't too powerful. He wasn't planning other things. Verse 5 tells us, as soon as Jesus came into the region, this man came onto the scene. He went to seek Jesus. If we're going to live by faith, like live out our faith, walk by faith as we're called to do, then we're going to have to seek Jesus. Oh man, how often do I give something or some things, something comes up and I, and I start giving it some attention and I may pray a little bit and then I get real busy trying to figure it all out. I get real busy planning it out. And then I look around and I, I start seeing who and, and what can solve this problem. And then I work hard doing this and doing that. And then after I've done everything, then what do I do? God, bless your work. God, bless your work. The only problem is it wasn't God's work. It was my work, and I'm asking God to bless it. I didn't seek Jesus and then wait for Him and then walk in the, the path He has for me. I, I saw a problem. I said, all right, I'm a problem solver. Let's go. Boom, 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 boom. Hey, Jesus, bless it. That's not walking by faith. That's not seeking Jesus. That's called asking Jesus to bless my weakness. That's called blessing Jesus to, uh, asking Jesus to bless the weak work because I didn't truly seek Him. And that's not what He's called us to. You see in Matthew chapter 6, these people are worried about a lot of things. And Jesus is talking about worry. And He says, hey, don't worry because God knows everything. And then verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 33, it says, but seek Him First, seek ye first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know what God desires? Is he's number one. He's the first call. He's the first thought. He's the first step. He doesn't want, you know, to, to be like a side note. He don't want to be a footnote. He wants to be, he wants to be the first one we call. He wants to be the first step we take. We have to seek Christ. We have to seek Christ. He don't want to be a little salt and pepper. On the finished meal. He don't want to be that cute little bow that we wrap around the, the gift. He wants to be the main deal. And so often we're not, we're not good at making him the main deal. We're, we're good at wanting him to bless what, what we've done. And to be honest with you, look around. Look at your life. Look at some actions. My experience is most of the time it's not very powerful. Because it's really not God's hand in it. And it wasn't God's plan to begin with. If we're going to walk by faith. 
We're, only, we're also going to have to wait on God. We're also going to have to wait. The third thing about walking by faith or living by faith is we have to wait on God. Look back at the centurion. Verse 8 and 9, he tells Jesus, Hey, I am not worthy of you to enter my house, but just say the word and my servant is healed. You have the power to, to say it and it will happen. He came to Jesus and he just waited for Jesus to respond. He said, you don't even have to come to my house. I'm not worthy, but I trust you. I'm seeking you. I will wait for you to do your thing. He didn't go line up a bunch of doctors. He didn't go line up this stuff and say, well, maybe, uh, maybe I can help Jesus figure this out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I'll add Jesus to it. He just waited. He came to Jesus. He sought after Christ. He said, all right, Jesus, I need some help. And then he waited. Absolutely waited. Now, High percentage of people in this room and in our world would say waiting is doing nothing. Waiting is doing nothing. If you're sitting around waiting on the Lord, you're not doing anything. You're supposed to get up and do something. The problem is that's not biblical. That's not biblical at all. This is by far our weakest step in the faith process. We are impatient people who want what we want exactly when we want it, and we don't like to wait. Raise your hand if you're impatient. All right, look around. If your hands are not raised, they're lying or sleeping. All right? Let's try that again. Raise your hand if you're impatient. See, they woke up, and now everybody's hands raised. We are all impatient people, man. But listen, in order to live by faith, we have to understand waiting on God is just as important as trusting God. Waiting on God is just as important as seeking God. Man, wait is like, I don't wait. That don't happen. God says, pray and go. Show me where he says that, because when I read Scripture and I look at these people who were strong in their faith, they were waiting on the voice of the Lord. When it's time to go, they got ready to go. But the problem is this, is we don't want to wait. I want it now, now, now. God doesn't work like that. He sets the clock. And he sets the plans. And in order for us to get his blessings and his plans, we've got to wait on him. Bible calls us to do that over and over. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Some of the most powerful uh, people and movements in Scripture are those who wait for God to do His thing. If you, if you look in chapter uh, Hebrews 11, and you can look at this later, but chapter Hebrews 11 is really a whole chapter on these champions of faith. All right? Champions of faith. And if you look in there, I mean, you, you read about... Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Moses, those are the names that Jesus responded to centurion about. But Rahab, David, Samson, Samuel. And it says this, it says, by faith they went through all kinds of different things. From crazy persecutions to unbelievable miracles. And then at the very end of the chapter, verse 40, it says this. God had planned something better for us so that only together... With us, would they be made perfect? He lists this big old long name, list of people who are champions of the faith. He lists all this thing, all these, all these kind of crazy persecutions and things that they went through. And then he lists all these miracles, unbelievable things that they experienced. And at the very end of the chapter, the last verse, he says, you know what? Because we did it together. They waited upon me, and we worked it out together. They waited upon me, and they had my plan. God's not a wishing well. He's not Santa Claus. He's not a genie in a bottle. 
Where we just throw some prayers His way and He does what we want. When we want. God knows what's best. He wants us coming to Him and waiting on Him to do His part so that only together, as it says in Hebrews, only together will things be worked out. I can't tell you how many thousands of times I pray and I sought Jesus. I trusted Him. I bet I didn't wait on Him. I can't tell you how many times, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, Jesus, I love you. I'm filling up with your Holy Spirit. I'm going to walk with you. Oh, here's this issue. Okay, God, I see. I trust you. You know, and then I go and do it, and I'm like, oh, I see. This is good. I'm, it, you know, I can handle this. I got this. And then, boom, 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 I do it, and I'm like, okay, that was good. And then a few days later, or a few weeks later, a few months later, or even sometimes years later, something happens, and God goes, you see that? That was for you. If you would have waited... It wouldn't have been good. It would have been amazing. It wouldn't have been okay. It would have been unbelievable. And let me tell you, who would have got the glory? I would have. See, so many times God's not getting the glory through our lives because we're not, we're not doing what God's calling us to do. We're running and living and doing the things that, that we want to do in our own power, in our own way, instead of waiting upon the Lord. Listen, the, part of the key of waiting upon the Lord is that He gets the glory. I, I'll give you a silly illustration. Um, when I was, and any of you who went to high school with me, don't say anything, please. No amen, stuff like that. I, I was a C student. I just didn't care a whole lot in school. I, I, I had my C, and I was, I was good to go. But I played football, so that gives you an A. And I had some other easy classes. So when you average out that GPA, I mean, it, it pulled it on up, you know, like a C plus. But, you know, I didn't care a whole lot about everything as far as school-wise, um, but I get to college anyways, I, I, I hit a moment where I said, okay, Jesus, I'm all in. And he's like, well, we're going to work on this school thing and learning. And I was like, okay, I guess you own that too. And so I, then I started applying. I got a degree at Alabama, and then I knew God called me to seminary. So I started going to seminary, and uh, I was like, all right, this is totally out of my league. I, I'm not in, terribly enjoying it, but I love, I, I love part seven. I didn't love part seven. I'm like, man, I can't wait to finish, get ready to finish. And uh, man, all right, Hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, he says, now it's time for the next step. And I said, no, there ain't a next step. And he said, no, you're going to go get your Ph.D. And I was like, you dial the wrong number. Call somebody else. You dial the wrong number. You know, I, from like uh, second grade to eighth grade, I was LD, learning disability, special education. IEP had all that good stuff. That was me. God, you, you, you didn't dial the wrong number. I'm done with this education thing. I got an undergrad from University of Alabama. I got a 90 hours master's degree. I'm, I'm good to go. And he said, no, you're not. And I was like, oh, my goodness. All right, well, there's like special forces you got to get through to get into this program, these GREs and these interviews and all this different tests and all this stuff. Like, there ain't no way I'm going to pass any of that. So, uh, all right, any point you want me to fail. God, I know you want me to do it. I'm going to do it. But I don't want to. And I started doing it, started doing it. Next thing you know, all these doors open, and he lines it all up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is really going to happen. I tell people all the time, it was like five years, and I, 90% of the time, I just, I tell people I hated it. I absolutely did not like it. But I love what God did in me and through me in that process. And it's funny, even today, I will meet people who knew me in high school, and I will meet other people, and, and someone will say something about a doctor, and they'll be like, what? You're a doctor? Like you, like we had special ed classes together, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I know, God is good. I got right with Jesus. He made me smart, you know. No. <laughs> no, I, I, 
silly illustration, but I'm telling you right now, all Jesus. Like, I, I, can't, I can't sit down and explain to someone how that happened in my life, this whole process. All I can say is Jesus. Because I didn't really desire to do it. I, I can't tell you that I got really smart at a certain, like, one year of my life. I, I can't tell you that, but what I can tell you is this, it's all Jesus. And that's what he does when we wait upon him. It's a silly story, silly illustration, but that's what he does every day of our lives. If we wait on him, he'll do something cool in us and through us, and then who gets the glory? He does, because it's that cool. It's that awesome. You go, I, 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 Jesus. I can't explain it. The only thing I can say is Jesus. Talking about living by faith. One more thing I want to point out from the centurion. Last thing, we want to walk by faith, live by faith. We have to go. We have to go. God is going to show us and tell us what to do. He's going to lead the way. And many times it will be something different. Many times it will be something difficult. It will it'll be uncomfortable. It will be, be unnatural at times. It may be miraculous at times. But guess what? we got to go. If we're going to live by faith, we got to go. We've got to go. we got to go His way because He gets to provide. And everyone knows it was special because God was involved. Look back at verse 13 in Matthew chapter 8. He's talking to the centurion. and what, He says this, And Jesus said to the centurion, Go. It will be done just as you believe. Jesus told this man, Go act on your faith. Jesus said, I'll do my part. And we know this man, his, his servant was healed. The final step in, in, in us living by faith is that we go. Like I said before, we can't, we can't, we can't do everything and then ask God to bless it. And then the opposite is true as well. We can't just sit there and pray and wait and never respond to God's working uh, in our life. In God's time and in God's way, He is going to work and move, and we have to be willing to go. And from that, we'll be a part of something unbelievable. Think about disciples, they were in the boat, they're sitting there. You see that? It's a ghost. Oh, oh, man, it's crazy. It's a ghost. No, that's Jesus walking on water. Hey, Jesus, if that's you, hey, I want to walk on water. Let me come to you. That's, that's Jesus, y'all. That's Jesus. Jesus, I want to walk on water. Let me come to you. And what does Jesus tell Peter? Come on. Jesus, I mean, uh, Peter already trusted Jesus. And then he sought Jesus. And then he said, you know, Jesus, hey, I want to walk on water. Let me come to you. If that's you, let me come to you. And Jesus said, come on. He said, go. And what did Peter do? He waited on that response. And when Jesus said, go, he got out of the boat. Now, he got to swim a little bit too, but no one else in the boat got to walk on water. They're sitting in heaven today going, hey, did you ever walk on water? I walked on water. You know what I'm saying? Think about how amazing that was that he got out of the boat and walked on water. Why? Because he's willing to, to go. He was willing to go. No one else in the boat was. So the centurion lived by faith. He trusted Jesus. He sought after Jesus. He waited for Jesus to respond. And then he, was, he went. Jesus said about this guy. Listen to this. We've, we've unfolded the story here. Now listen to what Jesus said about this guy. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. We see Jesus was astonished. Tell me other places in Scripture where you know Jesus was just like, oh, awesome. It says Jesus was astonished 
at this man's faith. He was blown away with exciting amazement by this man's faith. He had great faith because he lived by his faith. Listen, uh, there's one other important story on faith in Matthew chapter 8 I want us to read. You got your Bible, Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at it very quickly. But look at verses 23 through 27. Same chapter. Just flip over to verses 23 through 27. All right? I'm going to read it. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us! We are going to drown! He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? He got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and waves obey his voice. It's kind of funny. We see a stranger walk by faith, and we see disciples swim with shallow faith. Jesus said, you of little faith. Let me point out real quickly, I'm going to point out three enemies of faith. Three things that often keep us from daily living and walking by faith. Real quickly, I want to point out three enemies of faith. The first one is this, fear. Fear. Look back at the the issue with the the guys in the boat right there. Verse 25 said, Lord, save us. These guys were scared to death. They were scared out of their minds, and Jesus was right beside them. Fear is one of Satan's most common weapons. Think about the last time you had fear. Worry, stress. We're not going to take a vote. But I guarantee you, most people in here today are worried, fear, stressful. Wednesday night, I asked the youth. I said, hey, raise your hand. In the past two weeks, you've had worry, stress, or fear. Every hand in the room went up. I said, hey, raise your hand. If this past week, you've had worry, stress, or fear. Every hand in the room went up. I said, raise your hand. If you today you've had worry, stress, or fear, and most of the hands in the room went up. Why did I say all that? Because we are people who are constantly living in fear, worry, and stress, and it's unbiblical. It's the opposite of walking by faith. If we're fearful and stressful and worried, that means we're not walking by faith. We're not trusting in the creator of the universe. Listen to me. Fear puts our eyes on the issue and causes us to focus on it. Faith puts our eyes on Jesus and causes us to focus on Him. Fear puts our eyes on the issue and causes us to focus on it. Faith puts our eyes on Jesus and causes us to focus on Him. This is why we see in Scripture over and over and over again. That's why we see this message from God from like the beginning to the end. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Fear not. Because fear takes our focus off of God and we don't trust Him. We don't walk by faith with fearful hearts. Um, we see in places in Scripture, Matthew, I've got it listed. You can write this down. Matthew thirteen fifty eight, where it says that Jesus did little work in this region. Why? Because the people didn't, they didn't have faith. They didn't have faith, so Jesus wasn't going to do a lot of work there. The second enemy of faith is this, control. Control. We said, Jerry, what are you talking about control? The biggest issue with these disciples in the boat is they had no control. Man, hey, water's coming in the boat. We're sinking. The boats are rocking. It's Hurricane Nina or whatever. Like, we, we got problems, and we don't have any control here. 
out of control. And they panic. Verse 25 says, we're going to drown. I would say, and I truly believe the biggest reason that most of us don't daily live by faith is because of control. We don't want to feel like we're not in control of everything. So we plan, we work. Hear me out. I don't think these things are bad. But when these are your main source of getting things accomplished, let's look at it. We plan, we work, we sometimes manipulate, we organize, we get everything lined up just like we want it or think we like it. And then we have comfort in that. That's not faith. That's not faith at all. Is control. And control keeps us from living by faith. Another place in Scripture, Matthew 15, 28. A woman comes to Jesus and she begs Him. She says, please, please, please heal my daughter. My daughter is demon-possessed. Would you please heal my daughter? In her desperate plea, she comes to Jesus and she says, please heal my daughter. She is demon-possessed. Jesus said, you have great faith and your request is granted. He healed this desperate woman because of her faith. Don't let desperate times of emergencies and unexpectancies and shock where we had no control be the only times we go to Jesus in desperation. When's the last time you went before Jesus desperate to meet with Jesus? And it wasn't because of a cancer or an illness or a lost job. When's the last time you really crawled up in the lap of Christ and said, I just need you. I really, really, really need you. I'm giving you control. I'm trusting in you. And it wasn't because of something that was out of your control. Don't let desperation be the only time you go to Christ in desperation. He's called us to walk by faith, meaning hand in hand all day, every day. One more thing, one more enemy of the faith, one more thing that I believe uh, really stands strong against living by faith. It's understanding. Understanding. The disciples in the boat, they couldn't understand how they were about to die and Jesus was over there snoring, you know? Like, what is he doing? Like, we don't understand. Like, we don't understand how we're in the middle of this. We certainly don't understand how we're going to get out of this. They couldn't understand. They couldn't understand anything. They couldn't understand how, how they were going to survive that, 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 that storm at all. You know, and many, many people won't step out today and take action because they don't understand all the details. They don't understand how. They don't understand who. They don't understand when. They don't understand what. They don't understand the details. So they're like, well, I'm not stepping until I start getting some details. Sorry, you're not the boss, and he don't work like that. Now, sometimes he does give all the details. He gives you every single detail, and they're very important. Other times he says, just go. I'll provide the details once you start walking. God's Word tells us, as a matter of fact, you know, that's the way we want to do it, but God's Word is kind of the opposite of that. We've talked about this verse a couple different times today, even in a testimony. God's Word tells us this, not to lean on our own understanding, but to trust in Him. That's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Believing only when we're seeing is not faith. We have to get to the point where we trust God enough to go and do whatever He says just because He says so. Not because you think you're going to get some reward out of it or not because you think all these details are going to line up, but if God says it, then we're called to go. 
Not after we think things are going to work out. Not after we understand the details. Just go. In Luke chapter 5, verse 5, uh, Luke chapter 5, early part of verse 5, the, the Jesus comes upon the, the beach there. Disciples have been fishing all night. As a matter of fact, they're over there washing their nets. You know, they caught a big zero. Most likely they had been fishing for a long period of time. A lot of times they'd fish all night. And then mornings they wash their nets and fishing, you know, zero. You know, how, 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 how was your fishing today? Oh, the weather was beautiful, you know. Um, Jesus says, hey, get, get me in the boat and push me out on to teach. He gets out and teaches, and he gets done teaching. He says, hey, guys, drop your net right there. You serious? We fished all night, nothing. We've cleaned the nets, ready to put them all up, and now you want us to drop the nets. Ain't nothing going to bite. Ain't nothing going to swim into this net. But look at their response. Verse 5. Go, put out your nets. Jesus said, the disciples replied, because you say so, we will. At your word. About sank two boats with all the fish they pulled up. It was that big of a deal. Jesus says, do it. Do it. How about the sweet little teenage girl that God chose to be the, 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 the mother of the Savior of the world? How about when they come to her and give her the good news? What? I have no clue what you're talking about. I know I have no clue how that's going to happen. I have that's impossible. Like I have I have no like what are you talking like that? You know what? I, I don't know. But listen to what she says. I got no clue. Savior of the world. I'm going to birth the Savior of the world. How am I going to birth anything? Like I don't know. Here's what she says. Um, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. God, whatever you say. Whatever you say, God. Whatever you say. The Bible says, walk by faith, not by sight. The Bible says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Enemy of faith or fear, control and understanding. Here's the deal. It's all in the context of a relationship. If you're here today and you're processing all this stuff like it's a religion, you, you, you've missed the whole thing. It's all in the context of a relationship. It's crazy that the creator of the universe desires a relationship with us. But when you really look at Scripture, it's not just any relationship. It's God wants us completely relying on Him. He wants us trusting Him, seeking Him, waiting upon Him, and then going in Him and with Him. All that is part of a daily walk with Him. Satan brings fear. He brings control. He brings understanding issues to block our faith. Jesus says, come to me and rely on me day by day. I think everyone in here wants to please God. Raise your hand if you want to please God. I'll see who's sleeping again. All right. Everybody's raised their hand. Everybody wants to please God. But what does the scripture say today? It says it's impossible to please God without faith. And he's not talking about a one-time faith. He's talking about a lifetime, day-by-day faith. I'm going to throw that question back to you. How's your faith? How's your day-by-day relying on God, trusting in God faith? How's your day-by-day faith? I hope today you've been encouraged. I hope you've been challenged. But I know many times we sit in this service and as soon as those doors open, we walk away and it's, it's behind us. This is an issue that you're going to deal with the rest of your life. Because the world and Satan constantly saying, live for me, do this, you got this, figure this out. And Jesus saying, nope, come to me, rely on me. Walk by faith, not by sight. Listen, I'm going to pray. Praise man is going to come. We're going to have a time of response. Response as in between you and Jesus. Don't walk out of here 
knowing that you need to, to speak to God and knowing you need to maybe confess, knowing you need to commit, knowing that He's speaking to your heart about something and, and you walk out of here not changed. Don't do that. Hey, maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I got no clue about this faith stuff you're talking about. Well, maybe your day starts today. Maybe your faith journey starts today by placing your faith in, in, in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Many people didn't understand what Jesus was talking about because they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he desires. Jesus left a perfect seat in heaven. And he came to earth. He lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. And he's in heaven today desiring a personal relationship with us. It's all covered. It's done. All he says is, I want your life. Believe me, trust in me, commit your life to me. Hey, if you're here today and you've been trying to play this, this religion thing, that's not what he wants. He, he wants a relationship. And it, it comes through faith. Let's pray. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. There's none like you. God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room, God. I'm able to speak today, God, because you've been wrecking my heart for a couple months over this very issue, God. God, I pray that, Lord, you would help us all to walk by faith and not by sight. God, I pray that you would, your Holy Spirit would sweep this place and you would, you, would, you would knock on hearts. And Father God, that we would respond. Not necessarily coming to the front. If that's what it takes, God, will do it. But God, just wherever we're at, we would respond to your Spirit working and moving in our life. God, if there's someone here this morning that's never given their life to Christ, I pray that this morning they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. They trust in you. Father God, as we have a time of reflection and response, let your Spirit speak loud. We ask all these things in your sweet and holy name. Amen. Let's stand.
close out. If you still want to make a decision for Christ today, uh, we're going to have folks at the Connection Room. And then also we're going to have a Jordan Information Meeting here in Room 420 right after this service. But just in closing, we're going to have a little short 30-second video to remind you about compassion.